evil. Watch this. Well, Robert Hansen grew up the son of an abusive Chicago police officer. He was emotionally and physically abused. But Robert was very smart. He longed for his dad's approval. And he ended up taking all of his emotions and learning to hide them because there was just so much pain. But eventually he grew up and became an FBI agent. And he wanted to be a great FBI agent. In fact, he wanted to be a better agent than his father was a police officer. But he got mocked by other agents for his lack of social agility. He was overlooked for promotions because of his social awkwardness. He became angry and resentful. Now, back during the Cold War, FBI agents were recruited by Soviet spies in ways that may surprise you. There was no trench coat and sunglasses, and the spies weren't driving up in Aston Martins. What would happen is they would actually come up and ask for something innocuous, like the office telephone directory, which is actually public information. So the FBI agent could easily justify, well, this is just a little extra money for something that really is available to anyone. And the request would become greater and greater, and eventually it would become something top secret, something confidential. Well, Robert Hansen in 2002 was convicted of treason. He's said to be the most devastating spy in U.S. history. The information that he sold over 15 years for $1.4 million is probably what helped Osama bin Laden evade detection on September 11th. His deception caused the deaths of other agents and almost caused a nuclear war. Yet all the while, Robert Hansen felt justified he was a moralist, chastising his coworkers for immoral behavior, even attending mass every week, rationalizing all the way that he was just doing this for his kid's future. See, this is how evil works. It's the power of the lie. In fact, the only power that evil has over you is the power of the lie, telling you that you need to prove your worth, that you need to to do this in order to have your deepest needs met, to feel safe and secure, to feel loved and accepted. See, it starts out very innocent, but step by step, we become more and more deceived, rationalizing, justifying, eventually hurting ourselves and hurting others, never realizing it until the destruction comes. But here's the good news. You and I can overcome and fight evil when we understand how evil works in our lives. In this series, we're, we're looking at how in week one, the evil origins include a supernatural realm. And today we're talking about how we can fight evil personally. But there is evil in systemic ways in our world. Poverty, injustice, corruption, racism. And there's ways that we can combat that together. See, as we've talked in the series, God is working with one willing heart at a time to transform that heart from darkness into light. And then together we bring light everywhere we go. See, overcoming evil doesn't start by changing all those people. It starts 
by letting God change us. The line between good and evil runs through every human heart. But when you see how these lies actually deceive us, it actually can give you some hope. Because with God's help, you can begin to live in light of the truth. This makes fighting against evil and overcoming temptation actually doable. Now, as a new believer years ago, understanding this really transformed my life. It felt like I was new to faith, and yet I still had all my old habits I couldn't seem to shake. And I wanted to shake them, and I just could not seem to do so until I understood what we're talking about here today. We're going to start with Ephesians chapter 6. You can read the entire chapter for an understanding of the armor of God that you can put on every day to face the world. But we'll read two verses here, or three verses. It says this, Ephesians 6 uh, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, some of you may be here and you're not so sure about the spiritual realm of angel and demons. And I want you just to hang in there because I think you'll find this will all make sense, even pragmatically. But what this verse is telling us is that our struggle is never against other people. That your relationships are under attack from a spiritual darkness that wants to divide you. Every marital struggle, every racial struggle, every office struggle, every middle school struggle that tries to pit us against each other, there's a spiritual force. And see, we're hurt people who hurt people, even when we're trying our best. And so what happens is we get confused and we think that people are our enemy when in reality, our enemy is the enemy, darkness. Years ago, I heard John Burke say this in a, in a message on Sunday, and I, I took and I use it in every wedding I officiate. He said, love is a battlefield. And it brings back memories of great 80s music, right? But the reason I liked it was it was not spouses fighting against each other, but this picture of a couple with their backs to each other, that together they're fighting the world that's trying to divide them and oppose them. See, the second thing we need to realize in this passage is that there are schemes and we can fall into the trap. There are spiritual forces at work trying to trick us and trap us. Now, I want to quickly dispel three myths about the devil. Remember, in this series, we brought out the point that we have more understanding of the spiritual realm from Renaissance paintings than we actually do from the scriptures. But the first myth is that there is no devil. Now, the word devil means divider. It's that darkness in our thoughts and minds. It's a fallen angel that is really not the only source of evil, but part of a systemic evil, an organization of evil, a hierarchy of rulers and authorities and powers. And so Lucifer, Satan, is one of many of these created beings that like humans, are not all-knowing, all-powerful, not able to be in all places at once, but they're organized and opposing you. Now, if this seems far-fetched, remember that our scientists actually believe in unseen dimensions of reality, like because of quantum physics and 
general relativity. And Jesus believed that there was evil. And we see it as he confronted demonic spirits at work in people. But the second myth about the devil is this idea of demonic possession. There's actually no word in the Bible for demonic possession. It's an unfortunate English translation of the Greek. It gives us images of things like the exorcist. But in reality, the the Greek word is actually more translated as demonized. When we think of possession, we think of, of an entity that takes complete control, which is what we see in some of these Netflix movies and series. But in reality, what we see in this world is that a demon can actually influence us. Now, as a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit within you, and you cannot be possessed. This is true, but it doesn't mean you cannot have darkness gain a stronghold in your heart and in your mind. That's why Paul, a church planner, writing these Corinthians, these new believers in the city of Corinth, he's trying to help them know how to navigate this dark world in which we live. And he says this, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Think about it like cancer. The Holy Spirit can live in a believer, but if the body's immune system is weakened, cancer cells can still gain a stronghold in that physical body. In the same way, the demonic are like spiritual cancers looking for spiritually weak places to gain a foothold. It's like spiritual or emotional garbage that feeds the demonic. It's like rats feeding on the garbage. They get stronger and make our problems worse. They actually don't cause the problems. It's that spiritual and emotional garbage that allows them to exacerbate the problems. So bitterness and envy and lust, and shame, and greed, and pride, unresolved anger. This is the spiritual garbage that can attract the darkness. Ephesians 4 says this, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not let the devil have a foothold. See, there's a connection between your mind and your heart and the spiritual world. And when you stay in a good and healthy place, staying connected with God, connected with others, the enemy can't break through. It's in the midst of the bitterness and the unresolved anger that creates the space for darkness. See, when we clean out the garbage with forgiveness, confession, making amends, then darkness has nothing to feed on or attach to. And so they leave. James 4 says this way, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So you don't have to go up and and fight Satan. You don't have to fight the demons. You actually just need to cling to God. You need to allow him to guide you and heal you and bring you into that place where forgiveness and confession becomes a regular part of your life. Now, the third myth about the demonic is that they have more power than you. Remember at the beginning of Ephesians 6, it says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. See, if you've said yes to following Jesus, then the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives within you. 
and you actually have access to that power. And you are not alone. You don't have to be strong. You don't have to do your best. You just need to rely on God and his power, which blows away the darkness. Luke 10 says it this way. Jesus said, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven, and I have given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. See, you and I, we don't need to fear evil because Jesus has overcome evil. Not, not, not because of our power, because he's given us delegated authority that when we say in the name of Jesus, leave, they have to leave. They might try to bluff and deceive and lie, but hold your ground because the enemy and darkness cannot come into the light. When we lived in Seattle, it was so fun yesterday. We got to see a couple of our friends that helped us with a church plant. And I should say, we helped them. They got it started before we got there. And we're up in Dallas together and we just had so much fun sharing memories. And, and one of the most remarkable moments of my time in Seattle was when we threw this big event and we had several people say they were interested in knowing more about God. And I sat down with one of them. His name was Sovan. And his card had said he was interested in a relationship with God. So I began to talk with him to hear his story. And I asked him, well, would you like to connect with God and follow Jesus? And he said, yes, but the voices tell me not to. Well, I'd never heard that as an excuse before. I wasn't exactly sure what to do. And so I did what any good Baptist would do in that situation. I called a Pentecostal friend. I called him up and I asked what to do and he passed me on to someone else. Eventually, I ended up setting up an appointment with the, the guy who actually at the time happened to be the Seattle Seahawks chaplain. And it was the two of us and Sovan and we were there in the room and it, some creepy, weird things happened. Nothing I'd been trained for in seminary. Let me just tell you that. But it wasn't like the movie The Exorcist either. There was sounds and yelling and weirdness but what's really fascinating is that did not end things for him. And so I only knew what I knew to do, which was I encouraged him, you know what? Even though they tell you not to follow Jesus, I think you need to start there. You need to follow Jesus. And so he decided to do that. And then he began trying to walk with Jesus. And I began to share with him the same ways that I had started to change in my life, the ways I had started to overcome some of those struggles I never thought I could overcome. And I showed him how to just simply take every thought captive, to treat those voices as, a, as like a temptation to worry or to lust. Anytime a thought, a voice would come to his mind, he would take that as a reminder to pray to God. And he would quote the scriptures. He memorized some to help him in those moments. And whenever those voices got really loud, he would call me or another friend in our church. He replaced the voices with scriptures that he'd memorized. And he replaced the behaviors that he struggled with when lonely by investing in the lives of other people. What's really remarkable about Sovan is in the midst of that, he had been diagnosed with schizophrenia. That's what the doctors had told him. And I encouraged him to keep taking your medication and take your thoughts captive. Eventually, last time I talked to him, he'd become a youth leader in a Cambodian church. And the doctors had told him, you no longer need 
medicine since you're no longer hearing voices. See, you and I, there are dark things that have haunted us, so to speak, maybe for as long as we can remember. But light dispels the darkness. Take your thoughts captive. Turn them over to the Lord. Let him bring healing and hope. Give your mind over to God's spirit. The light can get rid of the darkness. In John chapter 8, Jesus said, Satan was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Think about the power of a lie. A lie can turn gentle and kind people into Nazis. Now, half my family, my genetics are German. I grew up uh, with my mom and her mom and all this family that moved from Germany in the 1840s. And it always troubled me that I was part German until I found out that we'd moved here and actually fought for the North during the Civil War. And then we fought against Germany in World War I and World War II. That helped to some degree. But it still bothered me. Why would Germans follow Adolf Hitler? I mean, you just watch this guy, and you can tell. I don't know German, and yet can tell this dude was evil, right? The way he would speak. But see, here's what happened. I read this fascinating biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a pastor who opposed Hitler and the Nazis. And what happened is it was very incremental. See, it just, it just started as, you know, Jewish people are ruining everything. And then to the church, people of faith were just told, you know what? Just don't let any Jewish people join your church. Well, there were no Jewish people in their churches, so that didn't seem like a big deal. So they agreed. Well, now people who were uncertain about what to think thought, well, the church feels like there's something wrong with the Jewish people. There must be something wrong. So we see this over and over in history. Seeing another person just because of the color of their skin is less than. It starts in the human heart, a lie that spreads, that pits us against each other. And what God wants to do is change every willing heart to bring light in us and through us and together bring that light into the darkness. That, As Jesus said, we might see more of heaven, his kingdom of heaven here on earth. What begins to happen when we take our thoughts captive, we send them back to God, we begin moving down a path towards healing. John 16, Jesus said, if you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And 16, John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So we need to combat the lies with truth. And there's different kinds of lies. There's the lives that we received. Others inflicted them upon us. See, every one of us, was born in a broken world. And what happens is we have parents that are supposed to help children interpret the things that happen to them. And when parents are walking with God, we can use that filter of the truth to help our children interpret things the right way because often children experience things and they misinterpret it. And some of us are walking around with wounds from our childhood because we misinterpreted what was going on. 
And the enemy uses those wounds to pit us against each other. And suddenly the person that we love the most says something that triggers that painful memory. And then we fight and blows up, things blow up. There's a story of an uncle who believed that pornography was no big deal. Just looking would never hurt anyone, which is a lie. Yet over years, it led to an addiction. And when his four-year-old niece was visiting, a lustful lie invaded his mind. She won't remember. Tragically, that little girl grew up, and that abuse told her intuitively that there's something wrong with you. She believed that it was her fault. And out of that lie, she used her sexuality as a power over men. And in college, she struggled working two jobs to become a nurse and discovered she could make far more at the gentleman's club. So she justified, because I'm, I'm begin, become a nurse and help people. She was slowly manipulated into becoming a pawn of evil, working at a place that was creating more lustful and deceived uncles who abused. But the story has a happy ending. She found faith in our church here at Gateway. She went through recovery and found healing and ended the cycle of evil, bringing light to those she served after. See, often lies find their way in these dark moments. And if our parents shirk responsibility or don't know the truth themselves, then we often believe these lies. And those lies can ruin our present. See, God wants to heal those wounds. He wants to show us the truth. He wants to clean out the lies and lead us into freedom. That's why it's so important to know the truth of what God says about you through the scriptures. That's why it's so important to have community in your life, other people who can speak the truth. See, too often we begin to believe lies that become agreements, become part of our identity. You know, when I was about 11, 12 years old, I discovered I had a superpower. I have an incredible sense of smell. It may be the worst superpower, but I have it. I remember I was about that age walking through the living room of our house in Bedford, Texas, just outside of Fort Worth, and I could smell something had died. And I looked up at the vaulted ceiling and I pointed where I thought it might be coming from. My dad thought I was crazy, but he went up into the attic and sure enough, there was a dead rat. Now, this superpower isn't as cool as you might think. When you work with teenagers, I was a youth pastor in Waco and Los Angeles and Seattle, and teenage boys, having this superpower was rough, especially at camp. It's also not fun when you get on an airplane. There's so much funk in such a confined space. And yet, here's where it comes in handy. I can sniff out something that might have gone bad before anyone else would know. Have you ever noticed when you visited someone's house that, that every house kind of has its own kind of smell? But you don't know it until you go on vacation. <laughs> and then you come back and you're like, it smells a little funky in here. That funk is you. <laughs> but here, here's the thing. Some of us have become comfortable with the spiritual and emotional funk we need to allow God to clean out the garbage. That funk is what the enemy comes after. See, some of us have believed lies that, that we're not worth 
anything, that we have to be perfect, that we, no one can be trusted, that I can never be safe. And because of these lies, it messes up our ability to become who God wants us to be. Take every thought captive and remember the truth. You are loved by God. He created you on purpose and with a purpose. And he wants to guide you into a life beyond what you could ever ask or imagine. There's lies we believe. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. This is what Jesus offers you and me. Jesus' half-brother James explains temptation this way. No one who wants to do wrong should ever say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else either. Temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. These evil desires lead to evil actions, and evil actions lead to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God above. See, the lie is we think to get what we want, what's good, we need to do what the world would tell us. But in reality, everything that is good comes from God. And in order to experience those good things, we must trust him and even pursue them in the way that God would have us. Oftentimes, we're trying to get good things, but in the wrong way. That's what darkness would have us do. Take any sin, greed, lust, bitterness, gossip, whatever it is. And when you're tempted by it, remember this. It is not a sin to be tempted. It's what you do in that moment that determines the kind of person you'll become. But a a good exercise is when you have any sort of temptation or thought, it is allow yourself to just consider, well, what if I said yes to this and and look towards the future? What What does that road lead to? My daughter, who's 19 years old, she used to do something that I found fascinating. She would make decisions based on, would the 25-year-old version of me be glad I did this? Man, that was so smart. I wish I thought like that when I was her age. I never thought like that. I just would do it. And then the 25-year-old version of me would regret the 15-year-old version of me, right? But see, when you begin to see the connection between the decisions now and the impact, what might seem small now can have a huge impact later. You are choosing every day which path you will go on, a path that God has for you or your own path that can lead to pain. 1 Corinthians 10 says this, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. There's always an escape plan. God is there with you to guide you, to help you, to rescue you. Are you willing to let him do that for you? See, we need to walk. Some of us have had so much shame and guilt that when we are tempted, we fall back and we just eventually give up and think, you know what? I'm never gonna overcome that. That's another lie. So here's the thing. When you say, Jesus, what you did on the cross, I need for me, I need your forgiveness, then all of a sudden, we are wiped clean of all our sin. In fact, what happens is we begin to walk in the truth. As it says in Romans 8, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are not condemned. Those moments of feeling guilt and feeling like you'll never amount to anything, that's darkness lying to you. But here's a beautiful thing in 1 John 
1.9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You mess up. You, you find yourself doing the very thing you didn't want to do. You just need to start afresh. 1 John 1.9, just confess. God, forgive me. I, I went my own way. That's not who I want to be. That's not who I am. That's not who you see me to be. And he is faithful and just and will forgive us. As the band comes out, we're going to have another song that they will lead us in. But what I want to do for just a moment is just ask you, are there things in your life that you've just assumed would never change? Maybe the confession is, God, forgive me for giving up. Maybe it's stepping into community. Maybe something as simple as being on our greeter team or the hospitality team or jumping into a life group or a network, having other people in your life to help as you're walking towards becoming who God wants you to be. Or maybe there's something that God has already forgiven you of, but you haven't forgiven yourself. Maybe your next step is to allow the truth of what God says is true of you become real. As you and I follow after God, we might be like spiritual babies. We'll walk, we'll fall down, but God is there to help you so that you can run with him. Take every thought captive. Learn what Jesus says in the scriptures and fight with truth. You have the authority, the power of Jesus everywhere you go. You can overcome evil and be the light that your neighbors, your friends, your family need you to be. You can experience the freedom and life that he has for you. That's the greatest miracle, how God can change the hearts of humanity. And I want you just to allow yourself in this moment just to connect with God. Ask him to forgive you, maybe for the first time. Start that relationship with him. Or to recommit to community and connection, not trying to do this on your own. Perhaps to be more of that light. Look to serve and reach out more to others. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would give us courage to take those next steps because God, you are a God who does the miraculous. Just as you cast out the darkness, the demonic, and those people who were hurting and you healed them, God. You can heal us and bring healing through us. God, would you do the miraculous in us and through us beyond what we could ever ask or imagine? We pray this in Jesus' name. And would you stand and let's sing the song as a declaration of our heart.